2: Previously, on Too Many Enemies.
1: Apparently, Vossi had a a set of special skills that allowed him to run the taxi empire.
3: But those things where there's shootings, where there's burning of taxis, anything, that's taxi violence, that's criminal. If you can get to the hitman,
1: then of course, it's quite hard from an investigative point of view often to close the deal, and of course that... to to find who was the person behind the murder and you you need of course evidence that money was exchanged and and evidence that a direct link was made which is really irrefutable that can't be disputed.
2: We start this episode at the Global Investigative Journalism Conference in 2017, held at Witts University in Johannesburg. Journalist and adjunct professor Anton Haber
3: takes the stage. Carlos Cardosa was born in 1951 in Mozambique. This is the Carlos Cardosa Memorial Lecture. Of brave and independent spirit who was assassinated while investigating corruption. Before Anton introduces the main speaker, he explains why this assassination of Carlos was so important. 1973, he enrolled at this university, which is one of the reasons we mark uh, him here every year. He studied the humanities, quickly became prominent as a vocal and passionate anti-apartheid and anti-colonial campaigner. At this point, let's skip forward a few years in Carlos's life. Indeed, in late 1975, the security police raided his flat in this area, Bramfontein, and arrested him. Within 24 hours, he was deported back to Mozambique. On his return home, Carlos became a
2: junior reporter on a weekly newspaper called Tempo before joining Radio Mozambique in
3: 1978. Two years later, he became the director of Mozambique government's news agency, IM. In 1982, he incurred the wrath of President Samora Michele by running a story on the rebel movement Renamo, bringing the issue into the open for the first time. For this story, he was jailed for six days. In the late 1980s, he became a vocal advocate of a more independent, robust media, and this led to growing tension between him and the Frelimo government. In 1989, depressed and exhausted, He resigned as director of AIM and, frustrated by the lack of media freedom, dropped out of journalism altogether. But he only stayed away from
2: journalism for three years. In 1992, Mozambique passed media freedom laws
3: that opened up the industry for the first time. And Cardoso was part of a group of journalists called Media Co-op who launched the country's first independent publication, Media Facts.
2: Now, Media Facts was literally a publication that was sent via fax into people's homes every night. It was only four pages, but it became an instant success as the only independent media voice
3: in the country at the time. Although some in the ruling party supported press freedom and were open to the criticism, others responded with harassment and even bomb threats. Cardoso's chief concern at the time was corruption in Mozambique. And he exposed the country's growing drug-smuggling syndicates, fraud and embezzlement involving business people and politicians. His big story involved
2: corruption at the state-controlled commercial bank of Mozambique. And it was this investigation
3: that would ultimately lead to his assassination. On November the 22nd, 2000, Cardoso was gunned down in the streets of Maputo. Two years later, something extraordinary happened. Annabelle dos Santos commonly known as Anabalzino, and five others were convicted of his murder, receiving long prison sentences and ordered to pay compensation to his family and that of his driver who was injured in the attack. It was discovered that the assassin who silenced Carlos was hired by two members
2: of the same family that had pulled off the multi-million fraud that Carlos was investigating.
3: As if to confirm that the assassins had friends with influence The assassin, Annie Balzino, escaped from prison three times. Carlos was killed in the year 2000. A passionate,
2: intelligent journalist gunned down in the street. His murder illustrates how the assassination crisis that we've been speaking about in this series isn't confined to South Africa. It is a problem that has escalated in Mozambique
3: since Carlos was killed and it plagues the African continent. I knew Carlos as a man with a passion for discussion and argument, always ready to engage energetically, exchange and thrash out ideas all night if necessary. He was fervent in his anti-colonialism and his passion for a free Mozambique. He had an indomitable, independent spirit. For this episode, we're going to look at assassinations more broadly than just
2: one Wondile Botswana. We're going to reach over into Mozambique and find out the parallels between their and South Africa and how maybe they can all be stopped. Hello, you are listening to Too Many Enemies. I'm Paul McNally. In these six episodes, we're going to be looking at the assassination of billionaire Wandile Boswana and what his murder means for the state of politics, crime and justice in South Africa today. This is episode five. and We're heading to Mozambique. We pick up the story with Simone Hasem. How's um, lockdown in in Geneva?
4: It's pretty relaxed.
2: Simon lives in Geneva, Switzerland, and is a senior analyst for the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime.
4: Uh, I think it was probably one of the easiest places to be locked down. I I don't know. Geneva's pretty quiet and boring (laughs) at the best of times.
2: Simon is originally from South Africa and has written a number of articles on assassinations in Mozambique.
4: I researched issues of corruption in Mozambique and issues of organised crime, and assassinations are intimately linked to both those things.
2: Her op-eds on the topic make the case that assassinations are a serious phenomenon in Mozambique, even if it's a relatively small number of people who have been assassinated compared to South Africa.
4: Really, um, I think, been quite a disturbing and upsetting place to, to, to watch, observe, visit... Uh, and come to care about over the last few years.
2: She says that the democratic space in Mozambique has been declining over a long period of time. And that makes me think of Carlos and him being assassinated back in the year 2000.
4: Uh, Mozambique is uh, ostensibly a democracy, but uh, the same ruling party has been in power for 42 years. Uh, That ruling party is in largely seen as being synonymous with government.
2: You could say the same thing about the ruling party in South Africa, the ANC.
4: It's also an extremely corrupt government. In 2009, the uh, IMF, together with uh, the Mozambican government, uh, issued a report which uh, described Mozambique as being a systematically corrupt country, which is to say a country where... um, Corruption is no longer an aberration, that has become the norm.
2: And this leads us to talking about the assassinations.
4: Assassinations in, in Mozambique have so far largely fallen into two categories. One category are hits that were associated with uh, a military conflict between the ondoing of uh, Renamo and uh, the government.
2: This relates to a long-standing feud between the main opposition party and the government.
4: And then there are a a smaller number, but uh, much more symbolic uh, set of assassinations, which have been against uh, lawyers, judges, academics and journalists. Um, Assassinations and also attempted assassinations, also sort of kidnappings associated with very severe assaults. I would also put those in this category. Um, And they tend to target people who are either trying to enforce the the rules or who are very clearly explaining the ways in which uh, rules have been broken uh, and trying to hold people account.
2: This creates a culture where, you can imagine, people are afraid to speak out.
4: Almost the main purpose of an assassination, more even than uh, stopping a particular individual, is to send a message to anyone close to that individual, anyone who looks up to that individual, anyone who would take inspiration from that individual, to, to send a message to them that um, they should keep quiet. You know, it's, it's a real fear that people have, um, um, and it, it leads to self-censorship.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022. peace
2: deal in 1992 ushered in the post-war period for the country and this was greeted with a fair amount of optimism.
4: There was a a long-running civil war in Mozambique between the government uh, which was uh, as it has been for the last 42 years um, run by the ruling party for Limo and uh, a military wing and then political entity called uh, RENAMO.
2: And during that time RENAMO became the largest opposition party in the country.
4: A big move to 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 reconstruct uh, the country, which had been so severely damaged by decades of war, um, and which was followed by uh, also quite high and uh, sustained levels of economic growth.
2: Then conflict broke out in 2014, and we saw assassinations being used against Renamo members.
4: And has uh, fairly significant amounts of support um, in the centre of the country and to a degree in the north.
2: Since then, an accord has been signed that was meant to see Renamo's military wing dismantled. But that didn't pan out exactly. There's a breakaway Renamo wing that is currently attacking state symbols and civilians.
4: I think the way that this relates to assassinations is the country was ruled very repressively and people didn't have safe and uh, Legitimate means of criticizing uh, the status quo, of criticizing the way the country was ruled, didn't have uh, outlets for their grievances, which could be resolved fairly, um, because of high levels of corruption. Uh, so, um, I think you know, ruling by uh, in a repressive way, potentially through the use of assassinations, is something that's. Created a huge fragility in, in Mozambican society.
2: To dig a bit deeper into the problems of Mozambique, I jump on a call with the executive director of the Centre for Democracy and Development, Adriana Novunga.
1: Part of our work is to uh, defend defenders, so human rights uh, defending in Mozambique. We provide uh, safe housing, we um, uh, evacuate, and we also enhance uh, the security of defenders in their own context.
2: So these defenders are people who fight for democracy, journalists, activists, and members of civil society who increasingly are targets for assassinations. This
1: group of people, they are vulnerable and um, they need uh, um, uh, someone to, uh, to cover their back. We have support to protect those those that are at the, uh, the very, very, very um, uh, top risk. So those who need to be uh, protected, those, those who need to be evacuated, etc. Those ones, then uh, they, um, they have to be immediately um, supported.
2: Adriano then gives us an example of what he's talking about.
1: The most recent assassination is that of uh, human rights defender Anastasio Matavelle, who was mm. murdered in Gaza uh, province on the 7th of October 2019 in the context of of uh that problematic i would say fraudulent election um, um of last year
2: here is simon again with more information on the same case
4: he was actually leading a training workshop for election monitors in the town of shai shai um, and which is the capital of gaza province uh, and he was also the head of the local election observer mission uh, and it was uh, very likely that his murder was linked to a voter registration scandal that preceded the last general elections in Mozambique, where uh, the attackers, when they sped away, actually crashed their car. And for that reason, a number of them were arrested um, and it was revealed that they were police officers.
2: Here is Adriano again.
1: Anastasio Matarello was uh, um, a great man, a great defender, but he was a national figure and he was someone who um, was not uh, perceived as, uh, as a risk for the establishment. He was a moderate uh, commentator, so uh, he had uh, moderate views in terms of governance, but uh, unfortunately they decided to target him.
2: Here is Simon giving a quick summary of what happened to all the killers.
4: The killers fled, they crashed, Um, two of them died in the car crash, Um, two were likely injured and arrested, and one fled. Um, He's actually believed to have fled to South Africa and and is still on the run. The two that were arrested uh, were put on trial, along with four other people and uh, another civilian. So I think in total, six policemen were put on trial. And they were quite recently sentenced um, to quite heavy sentences, I think between six and 24 years which, you know, is is a form of accountability. Uh, it, it's a good thing that that trial happened. It's a good thing that those people were brought to justice. Um, the motivation for the assassination, however, was never revealed. And the investigations never went uh, further up the chain or ever explained why um, these policemen would conspire to murder an election observer.
2: There were convictions, but only for those who were hired as hitmen not those who ordered the hit.
4: And that's something, you know, one unfortunately sees often. Uh, also in South Africa, recently we've, we've seen a lot of uh, people who tr- pulled the trigger be arrested. But the sort of grander conspiracy behind those murders have not been revealed.
2: Here is Adriano again.
4: The trial of those who assassinated him
1: did not reveal the real motive for his assassination, as um the the masterminders were not taken to the dock, only those who have executed uh, the killing were the ones mm. and uh, they were soldiers and soldiers you know they take orders they don't um uh, ask what uh, the reason is uh, for that particular order so um from the trial of these people, we were not able to ascertain. Um, the reasons um, uh, behind uh, his killing.
2: Adriano was not happy with the result.
1: Those who assassinated him were indeed convicted, um, um, but were not happy with the the outcome of the trial. On the one hand, we wanted the state, the Mozambican state, also to be in the dock, because uh, these people who assassinated him They uh, were wearing state uniforms, they were using uh, state um, uh, insignias, they were also using state um, military equipment to execute these men, and they were uh, in a normal um, uh, working schedule. So we we thought that that was um, uh, enough to also indict the state as being complicit.
2: Adriano wants to stress how important this murder has been for the country.
1: So this is one of the most uh, emblematic assassinations, which um, not only assassinated Matavel, but also it set a juncture for democratic closure and the thinking of the civic and democratic space um, here in Mozambique.
2: Do you feel that because of the work you do that you're in any kind of danger?
1: Well, for a number of occasions, uh, I was threatened, um, uh, life-threatening messages, um, um, being chased um, in the road. uh, But you you have to keep focused and, and do what you believe is the right thing to be done.
2: This process of guessing who is the next likely target and thus preventing an assassination is difficult.
1: Most of them, they think uh, they, will, they will stand, they will stay. Uh, but we are there to say, listen, once in a while you need to um, move away uh, so that you okay, let things cool down, then you will come back. So it is this, this kind of engagements that we have with defenders in a regular base.
2: Here is Simone again.
4: We have recorded at least 23 uh, assassinations or assassination attempts since 2014. And they largely fall into these two, two, two categories. One's related to the military conflict and one aimed at civil society. In South Africa, there are a very diverse range of uh, motivations behind uh, the assassinations. Um, and there's also a very large, uh, for want of a better word, assassination industry. So there are a lot of hitmen via, um, quite literally. The structure of the industry in Mozambique is much less clear. Um, it's quite likely that even when uh, assassinations are motivated by political aims that people might, for instance, uh, make arrangements with uh, people, figures within the organized crime world in Mozambique to undertake those assassinations. Or they might use uh, state employees, police perhaps, or, um, or military members.
2: She draws a comparison with South Africa.
4: In South Africa, the picture is more mixed, but there are also huge problems of impunity. Um, so if I were to say the two things that were in common between the two uh, sort of assassination phenomena, it would be the use of assassinations as a message uh, and this very unfortunate um, reality that uh, a lot of them happen without any real investigation or, or, or uh, consequences.
1: Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious.
2: Here is Adriano again.
1: I have seen uh, judges being shot, uh, shot dead when they deny being being bribed. I have also seen civil society activists being shot like Matavel uh, for defending a particular cause. I've seen journalists being murdered for exposing corruption and illicit economic activities. There is um an area linked to networks of drug trafficking—that is clearly a no-go area. The more you know about uh, those networks, the more you know about those corridors, uh, uh, the likely uh, to be shot.
2: And then, lastly, how did you get into this work? What is your background, and how did you find yourself in in a position like this?
1: Uh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> Uh, this comes from my childhood. When I was raised, I had a group of colleagues at the primary school. And uh, then we, at the secondary school, uh, each of us went to its own direction. When I returned to the community where I was I was born and raised and bred, um, uh, I was shocked to find that... Um, Almost all of my former classmates from the primary school and secondary school—they died. They had died of diseases that they have medicine. Some of some of them died of HIV. Some of them died by uh, lack of support huh? um, at the community. And I started to understand uh, the suffering of those people. Um, inspired me to try to understand uh, the the causes for that. Why is it possible that in the socialist era, uh, in the first uh, two decades of Mozambique's independence, people, they were supported. The state was there. It was short, but the state was there supporting the people. After that, the state was no longer there to support the people, was no longer there to, um, uh, to provide anything for the people. Then you understand that uh, corruption, you understand that, that bad governance, bad leadership um, are the root causes of the suffering for the people.
2: Simon also reflects on the state of Mozambique in this moment.
4: It's an incredibly difficult moment for Mozambique right now, with a high level of conflict um, and a very sort of Corrupt government that it's it's hard to get accountability out of, and as the manipulations around the last general election showed, and um, it, it's currently really an uphill battle to to get a political shift through opposition politics. Um, so there's a there's a huge need for there to be pressure internal or external or a combination that 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 forces. Um, uh, the political elite to to make accountability work. And there is already the the basis for that. And um, I meet very many extremely brave people in Mozambique. They're extremely brave journalists, they're extremely brave uh, activists in civil society that are trying to do that organizing work, that are trying to do um, the work investigating and, and putting information out there. You also meet people within government who really want to do their jobs, um, particularly in the criminal justice system, who would love to be able to enforce the rules without political interference. And if uh, repressive forces were to lift, um, I think there could be enormous um, progress around accountability in, in Mozambique.
2: Next time on Too Many Enemies, we're going to return to the case of the assassination of billionaire Wandile Boswana. We're going to pick up on a very important part of the story that involves a million rand payoff, a government minister, and the bank account of a famous DJ. This is all in the final episode of Too Many Enemies. You've been listening to Too Many Enemies. This podcast series has been produced by me, Paul McNally, and Podcasting Company Volume. It's brought to you by the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime in partnership with News 24. You can find out more about the Global Initiative by visiting globalinitiative.net. That's globalinitiative.net. We would also like to acknowledge Supersport, the author of the advertisement heard in this episode. The advert was originally posted on YouTube on the 24th of April, 2015. The music for this series was composed by Aman Mori. This episode was mixed and mastered by Gwinch Sarame and Richard Rumney. Join me next time for the sixth episode in this series of Too Many Enemies. Goodbye. Next time on Too Many Enemies. It's time...
4: Two legends,
3: one destiny, all roads,
4: end here, Mayweather Pacquiao.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing